Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. A Chinese airliner has crashed in the southern part of the country, causing a massive fire on a hillside. 132 people on board are feared dead. Shelling continues in Ukraine with no breakthroughs in peace talks, and Ukraine's president urges Israel to help. The EU is considering more sanctions against Russia, with two foreign ministers calling for measures targeting its energy sector. The four U.S. Marines involved in a crash in Norway are identified. They died during NATO cold-weather military exercises. A Chinese passenger plane crashed in southern China with 132 people on board. China's state-run media says the number of casualties is not yet known. The accident happened Monday afternoon local time. The downed aircraft was a Boeing 737 operated by China Eastern Airlines. The flight was headed from Kunming City to the southern hub of Guangzhou. The crash site was Wuzhou City in Guangxi Province, about 150 miles outside of Guangzhou. A video on Chinese social media captured the moment the plane went down. Tracking data shows the flight was at its normal cruising altitude of about 30,000 feet when it suddenly went into a deep dive. The crash sparked a massive fire on a local hillside. Hundreds of rescuers organized by the Guangxi Fire Department have been on the scene for assistance. Boeing said it's still working to gather more information. The company's stock was down more than 8% in early trading Monday. China Eastern Airlines has set up nine separate teams to handle the plane's wreckage, including crash investigations and comfort for the passengers' families. The company said the cause of the crash was still under investigation. No breakthroughs yet in peace talks between Russia and Ukraine. The Kremlin said today there's no ceasefire because it would give Ukraine's military time to regroup. And today's Jessica Beatty has the latest. Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett has been trying to mediate an end to the Ukraine-Russia conflict. He said Monday that despite some progress, big gaps remain between the sides. This is the best thing that could happen, that this war would end. But the road is still long and there are some issues still in dispute, some of them on fundamental issues. Russia also says there's no breakthrough yet. For us to speak on a meeting between two presidents, Homework has to be done, talks have to be held, and the results agreed upon. There has been no significant progress so far. Russia said Sunday it used a hypersonic missile in Ukraine for the second time in combat. The first reportedly took place Friday. On Sunday, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky questioned reluctance by Israel to sell its Iron Dome missile defense system, which he called the best. We can ask many times why we aren't getting weapons from you and why Israel hasn't imposed powerful sanctions on Russia or isn't putting pressure on Russian businesses. But either way, the choice is yours to make, brothers and sisters, and you must live with your answer. But Zelensky also thanked Israel's prime minister for his mediation efforts. And early on Monday, Ukraine continued to reject Russia's calls to surrender the port city of Mariupol. It suffered some of the heaviest bombardments since the start of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Moscow calls it a special military operation. Meanwhile, shelling hit a shopping district in Kyiv late Sunday, killing at least eight people, according to Ukraine's prosecutor general. Drone footage shows the scale of the damage. 
This woman says her daughter worked at the mall. She was at work just yesterday, and that thing happened yesterday evening. As of Saturday, the UN said more than 900 civilians had been killed in the conflict. Russia's denied targeting civilians. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. The mayor of Kyiv announced a reinforced curfew in the Ukrainian capital today from 8 p.m. until 7 a.m. on Wednesday. Mayor Vitaly Klitschko said shops, pharmacies and gas stations would not open on Tuesday. Parts of the city have come under fire repeatedly from Russian forces. Two EU countries propose banning Russian oil. Meanwhile, in the eastern flank of the bloc, more military deployments are underway. Some EU countries are considering further sanctions against Russia. Attending this week's EU ministers' meeting, foreign ministers of Lithuania and Ireland proposed targeting Russia's energy sector. I think it is unavoidable to start talking about the energy sector. And uh, we definitely can talk about, uh, about oil because uh, it is the biggest revenue to uh, to Russian uh, Russian budget and uh, also it's quite easily replaceable because of our infrastructure and multiple suppliers existing. Um, you know, looking at the uh, the extent of the destruction uh, in Ukraine right now, it's very hard, in my view, to make the case that we shouldn't be moving into the energy sector, particularly oil and coal, uh, uh, in terms of, of interrupting normal trade in that space. Previously, the EU and its Western allies have frozen the assets of the Russian Central Bank. But sanctions on Russian oil have remained a divisive choice within the bloc, given its high dependence on Russian energy. Countries like Germany have warned against acting too quickly, citing the mounting energy prices across the region. Commenting on the humanitarian crisis in the Ukrainian city of Maripol, EU foreign policy chief Joseph Borrell said Russia deserves the strongest condemnation from the civilized world. This is a war crime, a massive war crime what's happening in Mariupol. The city will be completely destroyed and people will be, are dying. EU defense ministers will also discuss a new military strategy to address the threat from Russia. Latvia is the most vulnerable part of NATO's eastern flank. Five German warships were sent there after Russia first attacked Ukrainian cities in February. A total of 12 NATO warships with some 600 sailors on board are due to start a mine-clearing operation in the coming days. We will be 12 units from six countries, and we are essentially showing our presence in the eastern Baltic. We cooperate with neighboring countries and will also come to our main task, mine defense. His mission was a routine exercise brought toward by Russia's invasion. Elsewhere, NATO allies have moved five aircraft carriers to European waters. And combat forces in the Baltic and Poland have also more than doubled in size. The U.S. is stepping up its efforts to help Ukraine in their defense against Russia's invasion. President Joe Biden is holding talks today with European leaders. And he's traveling to Brussels later this week and then to Poland. This week, the White House is expanding its efforts to help. President Joe Biden is holding a call with European leaders this morning. Then he's talking with American CEOs about the war. On Wednesday, he travels to Europe for an emergency NATO summit. He'll visit Warsaw, Poland Friday for talks with that country's president about Russia's war in Ukraine. And he's got another invitation. Why don't he can visit Kiev next week as a symbol of our solidarity? The Ukrainian capital is a war zone right now, so Biden does not plan to stop there. 
Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has his own ideas of what he'd like in the president's agenda. What I'd like to see the president do is to reassure our Eastern Bloc uh, allies. The Ukrainian people are begging Biden and the U.S. to offer more support. The U.S. has identified four Marines killed in an aircraft accident in Norway. They were taking part in regular NATO exercises conducted in the country. Those who died in the crash are Captain Matthew Tomkowitz of Fort Wayne, Indiana, Captain Ross Reynolds of Lemonster, Massachusetts, Gunnery Sergeant James Speedy of Cambridge, Ohio, and Corporal Jacob Moore of Catlettsburg, Kentucky. The exercises were part of training for cold weather military operations. The bodies of the four service members are being transported back to the U.S. Military authorities have not said what caused the crash, but local police reported bad weather. A Norwegian newspaper reported that rescuers heading to the crash site encountered a snowstorm with strong winds. The Marines were taking part in drills known as cold response. The current drill was announced eight months ago and brings together 30,000 troops, 220 aircraft, and 50 vessels from 27 countries. Their activities were unrelated to the war in Ukraine. Some Russians are trying to enter the United States at the Mexican border. They are frustrated they are not allowed in like Ukrainians are, despite leaving their homeland over the invasion of Ukraine. A new batch of asylum seekers are popping up at the U.S.-Mexico border. Russians who are against the war in Ukraine. While U.S. officials have let dozens of Ukrainians through this week, Russians remain in limbo, prompting some to camp out on the pavement alongside a barbed wire border fence, defying warnings from Mexican authorities to leave. One woman told Reuters she had fled Russia with her children after being arrested at an anti-war protest there and said she burst into tears when she was rebuffed at the U.S. border as Ukrainians were let in. Mark, a restaurant manager who came from Moscow with his wife, flying to Mexico via Turkey and Germany in early March, called it discrimination. We, we have uh, the same problem. Yeah, th there isn't war in my country, but in my country there is a regime, and I was escaping from that. He and his wife were arrested for three days last year after protesting in support of jailed opposition leader Alexei Navalny and said going back to Russia was not an option after new legislation that imposes up to 15 years in jail for actions found to discredit Russia's army. Uh, we are just sitting, sleeping on the, on the ground and wait. The devastation in Ukraine has caused 3 million Ukrainians to become refugees, according to the United Nations, most of them in bordering countries. Some Ukrainians crossing in Tijuana have been granted permission to stay in the United States for a year. But thousands of Russians have also left their country, according to media reports. Mikhail Shlyakov said returning to Russia meant fighting in a war he opposed. Uh, my country is dangerous for me. I am a young man. I have uh, my mom, Ukra my mom, original Ukraine. I have many brothers, sisters, Ukraine. Now, now, yeah, I, I know my country attack, but I uh, come back Russia. Uh, I go to army and uh, kill my brother and sister <laughs> if if, uh, if uh, come back. When asked on Thursday about Ukrainians and Russians at the border, U.S. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said the government was helping people fleeing Ukraine and that other programs were being considered to expand humanitarian aid. 
Between October 2021 and January, U.S. government data showed border officials encountered about 6,400 Russians, some of whom said they were dissidents and are now in the U.S. Coming up, the hearings for President Biden's Supreme Court pick begin today. We look at his nominee's judicial record and the stance senators are taking on her. Colombian authorities make a cocaine seizure worth $120 million. The drugs were found after the Colombian military intercepted a speedboat. All that and more here on NTD News. Senate hearings for Biden's nominee for the Supreme Court begin today. Biden nominated Ketanji Brown-Jackson, a federal appellate judge. These hearings are the first step before the full chamber can vote on Jackson. They'll go until Thursday and will include testimony from the American Bar Association and other outside witnesses. That's according to Senator Dick Durbin, who chairs the Judiciary Committee. Jackson has a long and multifaceted background as a lawyer and judge. She served as a judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. And she was also the vice chair of the U.S. Sentencing Commission. Though Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has some concerns about her nomination. He says, quote, the soft-on crime brigade is squarely in Judge Jackson's corner, pointing out that the country is already going through a wave of violent crimes. Yet Jackson comes from a family of law enforcement and has the endorsement of the Fraternal Order of Police. McConnell also raised another concern. He said Jackson did not answer him directly when he asked her about expanding the number of Supreme Court justices. That would have been an easy thing for her to do to defend the integrity of the Mm -hmm. court. Uh, She wouldn't do that. So in the meantime, um, the committee will ask her all the tough questions. I haven't made a final decision as to how I'm going to vote. But no matter what, Jackson's confirmation will not change the ideological makeup of the court. That's because she's been selected to replace liberal justice Stephen Breyer. So what's the rundown? At 11 a.m., the Senate Judiciary Committee was set to begin the hearing. There, senators made opening statements and Jackson delivered remarks. Thus far, Jackson has met with at least 44 senators. The senators in the committee will each get 30 minutes to ask questions in the first round and 20 minutes in the second round. U.S. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas is being treated in a Washington, D.C. hospital for an infection. 73-year-old Thomas was admitted Friday to the Sibley Memorial Hospital after experiencing flu-like symptoms. The court said in a statement that he was being treated with IV antibiotics and his symptoms were abating. Court spokeswoman Patricia McCabe told the Epic Times in an email that the infection is not COVID-related. She added that Thomas does not have covid He's expected to be released in a day or two. All nine justices have been fully vaccinated against COVID-19 and have received booster shots. The court is set to hear four cases this week, and Thomas plans to participate in the considerations. He is the longest-serving member currently on the court. He will be the oldest member since 83-year-old Justice Stephen Breyer retires after the current term. Dr. Anthony Fauci is backtracking on hints that he will retire soon. On ABC's This Week, the 81-year-old was asked if he was thinking of quitting. He replied that the COVID pandemic is far from over in the country, and so he is not sure about the decision to leave office. 
Yet just one day earlier, Fauci hinted at a possibility of retiring because of a sharp drop in COVID-19 cases. In another ABC podcast, he said he can't stay in his current job forever. Fauci has been a public health expert for more than 50 years. He currently serves as Biden's top COVID medical advisor. The governor of Indiana has signed legislation that requires all counties using electronic voting machines to leave a paper trail before the 2024 presidential election. The new state law requires Indiana counties that use electronic voting machines to install voter verifiable paper audit trails. The system allows people to check their votes on a paper printout before confirming. Counties that do not use a paper trail must meet certain requirements when using any direct record electronic voting system. Electronic absentee ballot requests now need driver's license numbers, state ID numbers, or the last four digits of a social security number. Absentee ballot application envelopes will need the ID requirements printed on them. The Indiana Secretary of State says the new law will allow for quick results and the ability to do a recount that is very reliable and fast. The state will provide funding to every county that needs paper backup systems. Texas is struggling with wildfires. Around 175 fires have burned more than 95,000 acres across the state. 23 fires are still active, including a complex fire burning through central Texas. The fire known as the Big L continues threatening northern Texas communities. It has already burned 6,000 acres and is only 5% contained. The combination of low humidity and high winds are making containment difficult. The local fire department has 30 members, but they also have help from nearby communities. People gathered supplies for both those out battling the fire and those displaced by the fire. The Eastland Complex fire is now a combination of seven fires. It's burning over about 54,000 acres in central Texas, and it's only 30% contained. Authorities say the fires that started the Eastland Complex began Wednesday and Thursday. Over 140 structures have been destroyed. At least one person is dead after a shooting outside a car show in southeast Arkansas. 24 others are wounded, among them children. Arkansas State Police say one person is in custody and authorities are searching for others who may have fired into the crowd Saturday evening. More information, including conditions of the wounded, wasn't immediately available. State troopers were dispatched to Dumas, about 90 miles south of Little Rock, following a report of gunfire outside a business where the car show was underway. The car show is part of a community event held each spring to raise funds for scholarships and school supplies. Wallace McGeehee, the car show's organizer, expressed condolences to the victims' families and the community. Three people were injured in a shooting just after midnight Sunday along Ocean Drive in Miami Beach. Mitch Novak is the owner of the Sherbrooke Hotel in South Beach. He captured this video of the spring break crowd reacting to gunfire. Novik says the streets were crowded with spring break tourists when the shots rang out. He says he witnessed heroism by police officers who ran towards the gunfire while many were running from it. Later, Novik says he witnessed officers surrounding a male suspect with guns drawn. Miami Beach police have not said whether the suspect was connected to the shooting or if he was taken into custody. Be cautious before you make your next breakfast. Continental Mills announced a recall of its great value buttermilk pancake and waffle mix 
According to the Food and Drug Administration, cable fragments used in the processing line were found in some boxes. The pancake and waffle mix had a Best Buy date of September 1, 2023, and was delivered nationally to Walmart stores. Not, no related injuries have been reported. Consumers are advised to return the product to the place of purchase for a refund. More information is available on the FDA's website. A popular skin moisturizer is being recalled because it may contain a harmful bacteria. The FDA is asking consumers to check their 3-ounce and 10-ounce bottles of Jergens Ultra Healing Moisturizer. It's possible the bottles are contaminated with a bacteria that could cause infections in people with weak immune systems. The Jergens products that are part of the recall have a lot code on the back or the bottom of the bottle that starts with the letters ZU. Producer Cow USA is working to remove the product from warehouses and is asking retailers to pull the product from shelves. Consumers seeking information or a refund should call toll-free 1-800-742-8798. The Republican National Committee says it's begun a voter mobilization effort at gas stations across the United States. This as Americans pay record high prices for fuel. RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel announced the strategy in a Twitter post. Data published March 20th by AAA shows the average price for a gallon of regular gas currently stands at 4.25. Nationwide, prices reached a record 4.31 per gallon earlier this month. As of March 20th, several states averaged over $5 per gallon. The move comes as displeased drivers have placed I did that stickers featuring President Biden on gas pumps. Some have also posted pictures on pumps of former President Donald Trump with the text Biden did that. White House officials have said that the elevated gas prices are caused by the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Republicans have pointed out that gas prices were surging before the invasion of Ukraine. Authorities in Colombia, working alongside counterparts in the United States, released footage they say shows 3.4 metric tons of seized cocaine worth $120 million. The Navy says the drugs were found when a speedboat was spotted and pursued by members of Colombia's Air Force. The vessel was followed for several miles by Colombia's Navy and the San Andres Coast Guards. The speedboat was then intercepted 121 nautical miles from the San Andres Archipelago. Five men were arrested, three Nicaraguans and two Costa Ricans. The boat was taken to the San Andres Coast Guard station dock. Officers found around 3,300 rectangular parcels inside 130 packages. Despite decades fighting drug trafficking, Colombia remains one of the world's top producers of cocaine. The country faces constant pressure from the United States to reduce crops and produce production of the drug. Meanwhile, profits from cocaine have long financed Colombia's internal armed conflict. A man was rescued after getting stuck in a storm drain 15 feet underground in the San Francisco area. The rescue took more than three hours with the help of more than 45 people. Firefighters, police, and public worker employees took part. The man, in his mid-30s, appeared unhurt, but was taken to a hospital to be checked out. It's not clear how the man ended up in the drain. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.